Welcome to Clean Air for All by Yuhu. It's a podcast from Yuhu about creating a healthy home and life with good indoor air quality. Each month, we will speak with experts and share helpful information and insights about anything and everything that concerns the air we breathe and how we can protect the health and safety of our homes and families while we stay indoors. From understanding indoor pollutants, the benefits of ventilation, the importance of continuous air quality monitoring to new technologies and more. I'm super excited for myself and for the audience today because I have an amazing guest with us, Andrew Pace. He is a healthy home concierge and the founder of the Green Design Center a leading resource for homeowners and contractors looking to source products that are healthy and green and receive expert consulting advice on designing and building healthy green homes. That's a super important topic. Andrew is the host as well of the weekly non-toxic environments podcast. He is a worldwide expert on green and healthy building products and services, customers and contractors. He services customers and contractors from around the globe. And as a founder of the oldest healthy building supply company in the United States, Andrew has become one of the single most helpful and educational experts dealing with the day-to-day concerns of those individuals who suffer from allergies, asthma, and chemical sensitivities. I can really vouch for that because when I first had an initial discussion with him, I was amazed about his knowledge and incredible expertise over the years. So I'm really looking forward to hear his full story. And just to give you the introduction of the topic for this month, we will really be covering the fundamental issues of homes and how we often overlook the the chemical aspects of it. The building biology, why should we care about what materials make up our homes from floors, walls, paints that we use, and so on. How can we really create not just a healthy, non-toxic, but as well sustainable homes? What are the future trends that would have the most positive impact on our health and well-being in our homes? So we will have one session today that will really cover the basics and as well the history of the whole talk and the learnings over the years. And then we will have a special session on mass timber. So that'd be super exciting. So Andrew, welcome to the show. I'm really so excited to have you here with us. Thank you so much. It is my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while now. Great, great, great. And you're like a veteran in this industry how did it all start with you? How did you get into this topic? Interesting question, because I don't think anybody comes out of school saying, maybe today people do. They come out of school saying, I want to sell healthy building materials or be in this industry. Back in the early 1990s, the idea of green building, green was simply just a color back then. It wasn't mm-hmm. a way of life. It wasn't an industry yet. And I was working with my family business. We are several generations of commercial construction material supply and architectural sales dating all the way back to the 1930s. And it was one of my first large projects. I was supplying a water-based epoxy floor coating for a parking garage in Milwaukee. And after we applied or our crew applied the 
first primer coat of the epoxy flooring material, several people in living in the condos above started complaining about the odors. And this just didn't make sense to me because it's water-based. We all thought back then water-based means safe. Mm. We're learning the hard way that that's not true. People complaining, one of them happened to be a United States Senator who lived in that condo unit. (laughs) And now we really started taking notice, right? Yeah. And I think the worst thing that happened was three of our own workers got rushed to the hospital because of inhalation complications. Wow. They literally couldn't breathe. Wow. Because as the coating was curing, it was sucking all the oxygen out of the room. And we had to put a halt on the job. Bells are ringing. um, Lights are flashing. Emergency all around. And we stopped the job for about a week to figure out what was going on. And we determined after that time that it was the coating that was causing all this problem. But it just dawned on me that we've got to find a better way to do this because we are poisoning our customers. We're poisoning our workers. Obviously, just because it's water-based doesn't mean it's safe. So we found a little company in California called AFM, American Formulating and Manufacturing. And this company specialized in making materials specifically for people with environmental illness or sick building syndrome. At the time, Mm -hmm. that's what we knew, or what was called multiple chemical sensitivity. And they make these amazing paints and coatings that are not just low or zero VOC, and we can talk about that in a bit, but truly free of health hazards and toxins. Wow. And we used those materials to finish up the project. Everything went great. And we decided at that moment, we need to get these materials into the hands of mainstream construction. And so that's really what set it off, 1991, 92. And 30 years later, we have thousands of materials now that we've curated over the years that we know are safer for the human occupants. Yeah, that was around the time, I think, when my late father asked me, hey, son, what job do you want to get in your life? And I told him, Dad, I want to save the planet. And his response was, son, you can't make money from hugging trees. So, you know, th- those were still the tree hugger days right. where this was a niche thing. I mean, Rachel Carson's Silent Spring mm-hmm. was one of the books that influenced me, you know, where we first started to make the connection between chemicals and toxic impact on our lives. And as you said, Andrew, this was niche. Yes. And trying to bring it into mainstream, educate people must have been a tough job to really get this going in the early days where not many people were willing to listen. It was close to impossible. My background being commercial architecture, commercial construction, I thought it would be easy for me to walk into these architectural firms, friends that I have in the industry, and show them these materials and say, we should be using this in every hospital, school, apartment building, anything you're designing, these materials should be used because it will cut down on indoor air pollution. And the response 99% of the time was, well, we'll save this for a client who seems to be interested in that kind of stuff. So it wasn't the obvious answer that I thought it was. In the industry, it is common for contractors, architects, builders, what have you, to do the bare minimum to meet regulation. Going over and above that requires having an owner who's funding the project to insist on these materials. And so there was a very large contractor here in town, big commercial contractor, that built a new corporate headquarters. And not only did they specify our materials, but during the process of submittals, they probably pushed back on three or four other products. And they said, no, this is the material we want. We want our customers and our workers to be safe. 
And it just dawned on me that you got to have that strong owner pushing for it. And then during these meetings, I'd also have people working at this place come up to me personally afterwards and say, where can I buy these from my house? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that is really the ultimate, right? Right. Uh, if we can get people personally interested and personally vested in the whole thing, then we've won half the battle and people getting conscious about the impact it has on their family's health. Yes. And the fact that they are kind of killing themselves. I mean, I still remember in the early days when I moved to Malaysia, walking to this construction site, talking with the supervisor. And then I found one bottle with a liquid inside. There wasn't even a name on the bottle. There was just a death skull symbol on the bottle. That was the only thing there. And I asked him, what's in there? Oh, some kind of a solvent, right? you know, to paint stripper. And mm -hmm. it's kind of incredible. People have stuff that they bring on the construction side right. that's killing people. Yes. They don't care. No, no, they don't. And again, it's it's all about what people are used to. Mm. The, the industry does what it does because that's how we've always done it. And it's very difficult to get them to change unless there's a personal reason why. And in all of these years, we found that most people who switch over to healthy materials, they're doing it because either they themselves have health issues, somebody in the family does, or they personally know somebody who is suffering because of this. And it finally dawned on them, maybe I should change too. Yeah. So what are the top five nasties that you've seen oh. over the years? You know, like yeah. where is the most toxic emissions coming from on a construction site that you've encountered? <laughs> well, I'll focus on residential because that's what I know best now. I will say number one, without a doubt, would be carpeting. Mm. Carpeting is, whether it's 30 years old or three months old, it can still off-gas very high levels of formaldehyde, among many other chemicals. It's been estimated mm -hmm. anywhere from 12 to 1,400 different chemicals will come off of carpeting. Wow. But the one I concern myself with mostly is formaldehyde. Yeah. Formaldehyde is a key trigger for people with allergies, asthma, and sensitivities. It's a known carcinogen. Manufacturers have been adding formaldehyde into the styrene butylene rubber backing into the dyes, flame retardants, pest control materials, all these different chemicals that are added into carpeting will actually emit formaldehyde over the years. Mm. I've tested carpeting myself, 30 years old, that still off gases, well over 400 parts per billion of formaldehyde. Oh, wow. The safe level inside of a home in the air is anything below 20 parts per billion. Mm. So 400 parts per billion coming from the carpet, that's a very specific space. But as that emits into the air, you know, that 400 parts per billion from 2,000 square feet of carpet in the home could actually transmit to 80 to 100 parts per billion in the air. And so this is from 30-year-old carpet. New carpet, anywhere from 50 to 200 is what I see. These are for, from carpets that are designed as being eco-friendly, zero VOC, all the buzzwords. Wow. That's the first thing I stay away from. That is a surprise now. Yeah. I would have thought that those eco carpets, zero VOC carpets would have been on the safer side of things, but sounds like that is not the reality. What we're finding is that a lot of the eco tags that are put onto materials are based on theory. They're not based upon testing of specific materials mm. once they're finally manufactured. So we had a situation a few years back with a one of these zero VOC eco-friendly carpets 
that claimed to be zero formaldehyde. We tested it for over 200 parts per billion. They finally came back to us and said, you know, we found that our dye manufacturer uses formaldehyde in the dye, <laughs> but we don't add formaldehyde. So we don't say anything about it. Mm, okay. It's just, it's a way to trick the system. Yeah. And for me, I'm not out to point fingers at manufacturers and to tell them to do better. I'll leave that for other people in the world who want to be more of an activist in this industry. I just want to make sure my customers are healthy. So I guide them away from those things that I know are going to be unhealthy for them. And carpet is number one. So people who have, let's say, vinyl flooring or mm -hmm. cementitious type flooring right. or kind of similar to cementitious, but with alternative ingredients. Yes. I mean, <laughs> maybe shouldn't be mentioning this here, but I started, co-founded a company in Germany that does flooring that looks like cementitious flooring, mm -hmm. but we virtually eliminate the cement in it so that we have an extremely low carbon footprint. Okay. And we have as well certification to like okay. virtually zero VOC because we don't use the organic binder. We, we okay. focus on inorganic stuff. Okay. Wood, cementitious type, vinyl, are we safe with them or can there still be residues in those kind of materials as well? Well, I think we can be safe with some of them. And this is the overall message that I'd like to give to my clients. I think we focus so much on VOCs mm. and we know VOCs can be dangerous for humans. We also know that some VOCs are completely harmless to humans. But more importantly, there are 90,000 other chemicals that are used in materials that are not VOCs. And so the industry has a metric for one product or one material, VOC, which it needs to have that. Obviously, for indoor air quality, we need to know what that is. But that's not the whole picture. Mm. Unfortunately, there isn't a way to, there isn't a metric for those other 90,000 chemicals. And we don't know the toxicological effects of probably 97% of those yet. Yeah. You know, there is no study on those materials. And so what we look for is what's tolerable by our clients. And obviously we look for the, the obvious things, low VOC, of course, low or no formaldehyde, but also we're looking for things like, you know, in carpets, trichloroethane, mm. which is an ingredient in styrene butadine, but it's not classified as a VOC. Ammonia, acetone, butyl acetate, these are ingredients found in zero VOC paints because they're not classified as VOCs. Yeah. Trichloroethane or ethylene? Trichloroethane. Yeah, because I was dealing with tri, trichloroethylene, I think, in a okay. factory where I was working as a teenager uh -huh. and it's a degreasing chemical. Uh -huh. That was still sure. allowed in those days. Oh, sure. And the guy that had worked there for like 20 years, he looked like a ghost. Mm. And my biggest goal, I mean, if you are a teenager and working in a factory during your holidays, you can't control where you are. My biggest goal mm. was to get out of this chamber right. where they were doing the decreasing. It was a separate room as soon as possible, because I already knew at that time, this ain't a healthy chemical. You could smell it. <laughs> right. And obviously it, it was a super powerful solvent sure. taking out all the oil from the metal pieces that needed degreasing. So yeah, those oh, yeah. things sound similar. Anyway, mm -hmm. we will go more into the detail of wood stuff in our special session on mass timber, where we can talk a lot more about it. So Flooring and specifically carpet, number one. What's number two of the nasties? 
Yes. Number two of the nasties would be all the painted walls and ceilings in your house. Mm. Paint, even if it's zero VOC paint, can still off gas anywhere from two and a half to four and a half years after reaching a full cure. Wow. Wow. So you have to remember that in the paint industry, there are a lot of ingredients that technically are carbon-based molecules, but because of the, here in the States, the EPA's regulations, they're not classified as VOCs. So people are still getting sick from these things. Okay. Interesting. Let me just ask one more question on number two. Sure. What do you think about these new paints that claim they can destroy chemicals in an inside environment? It's usually a titanium dioxide-based catalytic effect, right? Sure. It's it's titanium-based. It's graphene. There's a number of different materials that are being used now. Silver is being used. Copper is being used. I think these all have merit. Mm. The jury's still out as far as how long they last, because at some point, they have to stop working. Yeah. And the fear is... That if it's absorbing all of these pollutants, if they stop working, do they just get let back out again? You know, are they rendered inert? We don't know this yet. The other thing is they sound kind of gimmicky mm. because they seem like they're it's too good to be true. But I believe that we will find out in the next few years how well these materials do work. Yeah. Actually, I saw data from a factory that was manufacturing titanium dioxide-based catalytic paint. Mm-hmm. And the amazing thing was, and this was data that they have to give to the regulator, since they manufactured the paint and used the paint for the factory, their VOC gone down by more than 90%. And this was not an absorption kind of thing. This was a catalytic reaction. So it basically sure. breaks it down into CO2 and something right. else. So that should be gone forever. Mm-hmm. But that is just one interesting case study that I am aware of from the Philippines, actually, where it mm-hmm. seems to be really working. So, okay, number three, nasty. Yes. Number three would be your cabinetry and woodwork in the house. Mm. Now, cabinetry doesn't make a large area in the home, right? You have kitchen cabinets, bathroom vanity cabinets, and so forth. It's a concentration of potential hazard because of the plywood, the MDF being used, the particle board. Wood glue is a surprisingly high formaldehyde material, Mm. but there's a very small amount of it used. And then the finishes that are used on cabinetry, you combine that and that can actually be a very, very high level of pollutants that every time you open up a cabinet door or a drawer, you get that rush of chemical into the face. Yeah, yeah. So that one we're very, very concerned about. My wife loves that kind of stuff. And I told her, darling, when she was ordering a wood bed and structure, tell those guys not to put any dodgy varnishing on it. Right. And then when it came, I could smell, I could smell the solvent. So we left it a couple of days outside of the house before we moved it into the bedroom. And then I checked with my Yoohoo that there was no mm-hmm. significant levels of VOCs and it was okay. But I didn't have the formaldehyde monitoring, so I can't really guarantee that. Okay, number four, nasty. Number four, nasty inside of the home would be your own personal furnishings and finishes, your furniture, your window treatments, mm. and other things like that. I think four and five, I mean, five is also pretty close to that area rugs. Area rugs, I love to have a whole home full of porcelain tile or hardwood. I don't like carpet and then put area rugs down, but area rugs can actually add a significant amount of pollutant into the air if you're not careful in what you're buying. 
So when you say area rugs, those are mini carpets or what kind of that cover? Correct. Yeah, okay. All right. I'd never That's heard right. that word before. So I just wanted to okay. clarify it. I'm a non-native English speaker. So there we go. Hey, we have arrived at the end of our first session, but don't worry. You heard about the five nasties. Now we will be covering a super exciting topic in our coming podcast, Mass Timber. That is a global mega trend. And, you know, I'm a big fan of it, but I heard as well some worrying things from Andrew. So we'll go into that in our next podcast. Tune in and learn some interesting insights that very few people are thinking of at the moment when they are thinking of the mass timber craze that we have at the moment. All right. Mm -hmm.